with this idea, and, and, and you'll find why they call the movie up in a minute, all right? So let's watch this clip. Shady Oaks. Morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Mr. Fredrickson. You ready to go? <laughs> ready as I'll ever be. Would you do me a favor and take this? I'll meet you at the van in just a minute. I, uh, want to say one last goodbye to the old place. Sure. Take all the time you need, sir. That's typical. He's probably going to the bathroom for the 80th time. <sighs> You'd think he'd take better care of his house. Well, there is a man who is not willing to give up in his dream, right? There is a man who had the dream destination in mind, and he did everything in his power to make it happen. Here's my question for IPC this morning. What do you think our dream destination is? Um, you know, we've lived a lot in our past over these last decades, I suppose, Envisioning what could be and then giving ourselves with passion to make it happen. We've dreamed the big dreams and we were visionary in orientation. And we've seen people come to faith and we've seen people grow in their faith. We've, we dreamed that we could hire staff and we did. We dreamed that we could grow numerically and we have. We dreamed about putting up a nice building and we, we've done that also. And I want to suggest it's time for us to dream again. 
It's time for us to get like Mr. Fredrickson and saying, that's where I want to go. That's where we want to go. And doing everything in our power to make it happen. What we have to do is go to God and ask the question, God, what is it that you want done here? Where do you want us to be in five, ten years? You know, what is it that the Lord has for us that we can take hold of with energy and with passion and do all in our power to get from where we are to where he wants us to go? Now, vision, you know, just briefly, if you've been here long, you've heard this before, but vision is something that's deeply rooted in Scripture. It's how God gets things done when God wants something significant done, right? We've, we've talked before about how God said to Moses, go get those Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And God, through Moses, empowered him, and incredible things happened. God said to Nehemiah, my walls, the walls of Jerusalem have been broken down and the gates burned. Go and rebuild it so my glory can be restored. God said to a man named Paul, who we talked, whom we spoke of earlier this summer, his name was Saul, and he met Jesus and he was transformed. He was changed. But he said, I want you to go to the Gentile world, literally go to every, go, go to the world that is non-Jewish. It's, it's the rest of the known world. And convert them. See them come to know Jesus. Come, come to believe. And then Jesus. How many here think Jesus was a visionary? What was Jesus' vision? Jesus' vision was something called the kingdom of God. That someday this world, all around the world, would come to a place where people would know Christ and believe in him, and that we would function as a, as a world according to the way of Jesus, of love and of grace and of truth, of beauty. And what an incredible vision that is, to the point that the Bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and that day will come when Jesus returns. My goodness, vision is just wired into Scripture. And, and, and we are called, my friends, to ask ourselves again, what is our vision? What's our dream destination? What I want to suggest today is not the, the whole vision of IPC and over the next couple of weeks, but a critical component of what that vision will entail, and it is this. It's really, really simple, but it's this. That for us to have the vision that, that God has for us, to us, for us to become everything that God might want us to become, we have to be a thriving congregation in Him. Simple, Right? We have to thrive. What does that mean? We have to be people who are alive in Christ. We have to be people who are passionate, not just about what Jesus was passionate about, but what he is passionate about still. We have to be people who are so committed to the things of God that we will give our lives, like Mr. Fredrickson gave his life to his vision, that we will do all in our power to make that happen. Get that idea? You know, there are, there are churches out there that, that are lifeless, right? There are churches that are dying. There are churches that are boring, and then there are churches that thrive, churches that are filled with the Spirit of God, churches very literally, literally that are doing great things for God. My friends, don't we want to be such a church as opposed to the other? So to that end, what I'm going to do is speak over the next couple of weeks and this morning, of course, about how we can thrive, how we can thrive as a congregation. And I'm going to use the little model that we have given to our life groups in the past and apply it to our whole congregation, the up, in, and out model. Uh, that, that uh, has worked for a lot of life groups. You know, really simply, the up is getting our relationship with God right. Can I just pause for a moment and just ask you to reflect this morning especially on your relationship with God? You know, that relationship can thrive, the up component. And the more we thrive as individuals, of course, the more this church is going to thrive. You know, then there's the in, and that's just a matter of developing first our relationship with God and secondly our relationship with one another. 
that we come into relationship with each other, we love each other, that we do life together in a very meaningful way. And then lastly, the out is that we develop relationships with people in our region. And that as we love them and as we meet their needs, as, as we care for them, we hope and pray many of them will come to believe in Jesus. So I'm going to start with the up today. And here's the tie-in with the movie, if you would. The key element in our vision fulfillment is up. Mr. Fredrickson wouldn't have gotten to where he was going unless he somehow was able to go up, right? And I want to tell you, up is absolutely central to, to this idea of us becoming the church that we dream of becoming because when we thrive in our relationship with God, we're going to become like Jesus. You are going to think and I'm going to think like Jesus. We're going to desire the things of Jesus. We're going to be passionate about the things of Je that Jesus is passionate about. And here's one of my points to you this morning. Unless we get the upright, unless we thrive in our relationship with God first, we're not going to get to in or we're not going to get to out. You know, with people who uh, aren't really that excited about their relationship with God and passionate about it, they have other priorities. And they're not going to bother with in building community and, and getting into relationship with one another. They just have other priorities and other interests in their lives, other things to do. And we're never going to get to the out if we don't have up because, you know, unless people have this thriving relationship with God, they're not all that excited about helping other people find it. When you found it, you say, this is something to share. This is remarkable and beautiful, and I want other people to know what I found in Jesus. So up is central to the whole future that we envision for her ourselves. So then, question is, how do we take off, right? How do we see the house head up in the air? How do we get to that place where we as a church are vital and alive and dynamic in our experience of God? Well, number one, it starts with us meeting Jesus. And in August, we had that whole series called Changed, you might remember, when we talked about how, the, how Saul, the persecutor of the church, met Jesus and his life was changed. The woman at the well met Jesus and her life was changed. And how Zacchaeus, the seeker, met Jesus and his life was changed. We, it starts there, but it is so, so important that we do not confuse our introduction to Jesus with our ongoing relationship with him. What we need is much more than the introduction, although it's really critical. So how, what happens after we come to know Christ and believe in him? There are a lot of things that help us in our up encounter of God. There are a lot of things that help us thrive in our relationship with him. You're doing one of them this morning. You come to worship God. This is critical. This is so important because, you know what, here we figure out, if you would, our relationship with God, that God is here and we're here, that he's God and we're not. And we figure out what God has done for us and we say, what an awesome God, and we worship him and we praise him, you know. And we're just, we, we align ourselves with God in right manner. So worship is really important. One-on-one -on -one and home with, with the Lord uh, is really important. A year ago, we did 40 days in the Word. Who remembers it? Who found it significant? You know, that Rick Warren teaching where we learn to read and apply the Bible to our lives and hear God speak into our lives. That's really important. It's very significant. Serving God, we're going to talk about it a little later. That, that really nurtures our up relationship when you're out in, on, on the adventure and we're seeing God alive and active in us. It's really important. But there's one component I want to talk about, about today which is often ignored and, 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 and left alone. In terms of us thriving with God in our relationship, what we need, if I can suggest this to you, is a real life-changing experience of Christian community. I want, I want to hit this one hard today. I want you to think about it. You know, the Bible calls it fellowship. Literally, it means sharing our lives with one another in Christ. This idea of loving one another, be, doing life together. And the point is this, is if we are to grow in a relationship with God, we have to do it together and not alone. Not alone. Now, in this society, I want to tell you this of, of individualism, this sometimes is a hard sell in this culture. 
Um, you know, some people might say, hey, I'll pop into church on a Sunday morning and, and I'll pop out again. You know, that's okay, I'll do that. And I'll sit down and I'll, with my Bible and I'll read a little bit and I'll pray in, on my own, in my own home. I, I can manage that. But share my life with other people, really engage relationally with other folks, you know, where, where you know, I, I come with my struggles and my heartaches and I, and I share myself with them and they with me and we really grow together in love. A lot of people in this culture go, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, I want you to hear what the Bible has to say this morning. And we're going to look at Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near you know well-known verses but verses that have significance what's being encouraged here that we not neglect meeting together that we not give up coming together in, 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 in forming of community to what end? Number one, that we can motivate one another to love, acts of love and good works. The old translations, some of you might remember, to spur each other on to love and good deeds. And then secondly, to encourage one another, to encourage one another, to be there for one another and to help one another. I think there are key words in this. Number one word is together. You read the Bible consistently, time after time after time after time, it says to do faith with one another, not alone. That's, that's the thrust of the message this morning. Second, uh, the second most important word is the second word, let us. We're not, it's not supposed to be me or I. It, it's us. It's we. We do this, the scripture says, as one. We do this in such a fashion where, 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 where God can come alive in our lives as a result. Now, honestly, some people envision the Christian faith as a solitary thing. Can I ask you at the moment whether you will not think, you know, the first thought that comes to your mind, but what's playing back here in your mind? Is it a solitary activity or is it a shared activity? Is it something you do on your own or something that you engage with other people in a togetherness? Well, I want to tell you, my friends, the Bible's clear about this one. It is absolutely clear. It cries out to us over and over and over again. Do life together in community. Share your lives with one another. Share your struggles Help each other grow and be like Jesus. And I want to tell you, if we really want to get upright, not only do we have to worship, not only do we need one-on-one -on -one time with God in our homes, we need to find a place of connecting with God in community and encountering him and finding him there. That, my friends, is where the up takes off, I would suggest to you. Why? Well, I want to tell you, God comes alive in our togetherness. Do you believe it or not? Think about that. God comes alive in our togetherness. You know, some people feel really alone as followers of Jesus. Do you ever? You know, you have a struggle in your life, and either you don't have someone to share it with, or you do and you don't share it, because you never, you, well, we don't do that. Sometimes we have failures in our lives, whether it be sin or a failure at work or at school or whatever. Oh my goodness, I'd never tell anybody about that. That would be shameful. I keep it to myself, and I hide. Some people, you know, they do have those heartaches in life, literally broken hearts, but the last thing that some folks do is tell anybody else. You know, what about this idea uh, uh, of community then? It's such a contrary concept, having that close, loving, gracious, trusting group of people whereby we can encourage one another. You know what that means is to give one another courage, to strengthen and enable one another to live the life that God calls us to. The courage is found in numbers, if you would. 
The, you know, the idea that we can spur one another on to love and good works or motivate one another to love and good works. If you're really struggling with sin, you need somebody to motivate you to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. And that happens as we come together and as we're open and honest with one another, if we're willing to step into that dynamic. You know, a lot of people think, well, man, I have doubts about my faith. But there's no way I'm talking to anybody about those. They think I'm you know, some kind of pagan or whatever, right? I'm telling you, if you open up in, in a small group about your doubts, you will discover that other people in that small group have doubts. And you are going to be able to together deal with those. You might find somebody who's struggled with the very thing you're struggling with now, has found answers to their questions, and can provide them for you, and vice versa. My friends, it's in the midst of this dynamic experience. It's in the midst of loving one another. It's in the midst of sharing our lives together that God comes alive. So cool in, in this, this movie that we've referenced, and I'm not here to preach a movie, but Mr. Fredrickson discovers he has a little short companion. A little boy happened to be on that house when it went up, and he wasn't supposed to be. And, and, and he was annoyed with the kid at first, and he didn't want to kind of engage this kid. He didn't want to, you know, uh, uh, have the little boy with him, but in time he grew to love that little child, and they went on an adventure together. They went on their out together. We'll get there. And they saw great things happen and great relationship form. Listen, there are things that will happen in Christian community in terms of your relationship with God that will not happen otherwise. You come here on a Sunday morning, pop in and out, some things aren't going to happen. You sit on your own one-on-one -on -one with God, that's a good experience, but there are some things that won't happen. And I want to describe some of them to you. First of all, we will learn from Jesus. He will teach us his truth in a life-changing and powerful way. You know, Jesus says, Matthew 18, that where two or three of you gather in my name, there I, I am in the midst. And he, he was talking about the day when he would ascend to heaven and he would give us his Holy Spirit. Jesus promises if we gather together with two or three or four or five or ten or eleven or twelve that he will be with us and he will teach us and he will transform us because we're together, because we're doing what, what he calls us to do. And there we open our Bibles and the Lord comes and he moves among us and he reveals to him his truth. You know, you're probably going to gather together with people who have a greater knowledge than you, probably all of us in one way or another, and those people who know more of us than the Bible are going to pass their knowledge on to us, and Jesus is going to teach us through them. Jesus comes alive, alive among his people. There are going to be people there who will pray, and you're going to learn how to pray in a new way because Jesus is there teaching you. You know, when Jesus said, hey, I'm going to change the world, I'm going to, I have this vision to have a, a kingdom that will cover the globe where people will understand that I am the Son of God and they will embrace my way of love and of grace and of beauty and of truth. What did he do? He chose 12 guys. <laughs> 12 guys. And he lived in community with them for three years. And they, they were with him. He was in the midst of them and it transformed their lives. My friends, I want to tell you, we're no different. Jesus will meet us if we'll just get together into community. We will encounter him there. How about this idea that we will experience truth come to life in community in a way that we won't otherwise? What do I mean by that? Probably if you've read the Bible at all or if you've been here very long as, as part of our church or other churches, you will have heard of grace. What is grace? It is that God doesn't treat us as we deserve. We all deserve punishment and hell. But God in his grace sent Christ so that what we sang earlier becomes reality. Instead of giving us penalty for our sin, he blesses us with embrace, with love, with the promise of heaven. He pours all his good stuff on us. We don't get what we deserve. We get the good stuff. 
the opposite of what we deserve. That's at the heart of this faith. Well, for a lot of people, that concept is nothing more